Good evening, everyone. Thank you very much for coming. Uh, we'll continue with our discussion of the Paramatma Sandarbha. Uh, just a short recap. Uh, since Jiva Goswami has proceeded further in his explanation of the Lord's external energy, uh, beginning in the 56th Anachena, just a general description of the fact that the universal shell is like an egg, uh, egg-like form. This was this general description of the the form of the universe was given after after uh, an explanation of different terms and how they're used in respect to the Lord's internal, marginal, and external energy. So he ended up that anarchata with the simple statement, um, an insentient egg was generated from Mahat and the other Elvalutes, which were impelled, precipitated by Paramatma. From that egg appeared this cosmic person, the Virat Purusha. Bhagavat here means of the Purusha. Then in the next Anocheta, Jiva Goswami made a point that this concept of the Purusha being the actual personality of Paramatma, this Virat Purusha conception, both gross and subtle, uh, is is not really the right way to look at it. It's a tool that's used by yogis who are, due to their acquaintance with the material more than the spiritual, which we basically are more acquainted with the material and the spiritual, but these beginning yogis, they utilize this conception of the Virat Purusha being the form of the Lord himself as a way to develop their meditation. So that that form, whether it's gross or subtle, as explained in the second canto of the Bhagavatam, that form is used by the yogis to fix their mind on the Supreme because they're used to the fact that there's a sun in the sky and there's oceans around the land and there's they're just used to the to, to what they see so they can worship the Lord in that it, and conceive of the Lord as being altogether what is seen in the world around them. And then their meditations can even advance to the point that they see that the Lord is that animating principle Behind, within every living entity. So these are the two concepts that are put forth as methods for the yogis to meditate. Um, the neophyte yogis. In other words, they don't yet have an understanding that the Lord can have a transcendental form because their primary objective is generally Brahman realization, 
and therefore their conception of the supreme is is a, a conception which lacks individualized spiritual qualities in other words the brahman conception is is the supreme to them is one huge energetic source conscious source and that's truly their objective too in spiritual realization they want to what they want to they want to enter into the brahman so the conceptualized form of the lord within the universe is a way for them to fix their mind on something that they're familiar with it's kind of hard to fix your mind in meditation on something that's in the ultimate issue without any qualities kind of hard to meditate on brahman as being that formless uh quality qualityless entityless i mean even you i was about to say entity but well entity would denote personality which would denote a imposition on brahman which they don't really conceive of so we can see how that meditation has been developed as of the universal form has been developed as a way to get started a way to get started a way to begin a beginning place for taking my consciousness away from involvement in material activity involvement in the modes of material nature and place my consciousness in a conception of the lord as the total manifestation of what i'm experiencing in life and also as the underlying principle of life itself so both this conception which is like a physical form and the conception of the life force within the form so in this 50, in the 57th anacheta which we covered in the last class um jiva goswami quotes a verse from the from the second canto these two forms of bhagavan these two forms of bhagavan which i have described to you are a creation of maya so the wise vipaschita accept neither of them as suitable for worship you need we need to go beyond that well then i need to worship brahman because that's my ista dev well that's not what the bhagavatam's all about that's why jiva goes to the bhagavatam and pulls out this verse and says no that's not that's it may be okay for those that are brahmavadis that want to enter into the lord's form or want to enter into brahman for those that don't have a deeper spiritual uh, 
discrimination, a fine discrimination of spiritual knowledge whereby they can conceive of the Supreme Lord being, having also spiritual characteristics because they're only familiar with material characteristics. And as we've become gradually familiar, this whole Advaitin approach, Advaitavad, or Mayavad, depending on how far you take it, um, the whole idea is not really the deep underlying understanding of spirituality that the Bhagavatam offers. So basically, Jiva started out by saying, this is not the proper way to conceive of the Supreme's interaction or underlying energy or energizing of the material universe. Not the proper way. Both these ways of conceiving of the universe as being God are improper application, improper understanding. Tonight, we're going to begin the 58th Anucheta, which is very, very deep, complex, and long. And Jiva's going to introduce us in the right way to conceive of the Supreme Lord's energies and its and his manifestation of the material universe. So this Virat Purusha that the Lord has a material form is is not correct. Or that the Lord is the conglomeration of all the Jivas together that animates the world. That's also not what Paramatma is. Well then the inquiring transcendentalist would naturally say, well then how can it come up how how are we to conceive of it? How are we to conceive of God becoming many? How are we to conceive of God becoming the ingredient constituents constituent of the material manifestation? How 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 do we conceive of it properly? So that's where we're going tonight, is a beginning to try to... Jiva's going to give us the proper understanding according to the conclusions of the Bhagavat Purana, which is our primary evidence, our primary source of spiritual understanding. Sambanda, Abhideya, and Prayojan. And it's a deep subject. I mean, we have to say, how does the one, supreme, unadulterated personality become everything that I experience in material existence? Because when it boils down to it, there is only Brahman. 
There is only one supreme Brahman. You can conceive of him differently. Vedanti tat tat bhavidas tatvam yas jnanamadvayam brahmeti paramatmeti bhagavan iti subjate. You may conceive of him in his in his um, unspecific manifestation, no spiritual specificity, no no form, just just spiritual being, spiritual consciousness pervading everywhere. But really, that's that's you can conceive him like that. You can conceive him of as as the manifester of the material universe, which is the, the section of Sambandagyan that we're studying now, the Paramatma feature, or as the Brahman, as the Bhagavan feature, with spiritual characteristics. Now really, what Jiva Goswami is giving us is a comprehensive understanding that takes all those things into complete consideration because that's what the, the way the Bhagavatam presents Sambandagyan. Now, in the last Anucheta, one mention was made at the end of the Anucheta as far as there is, you can conceive of the Lord manifesting material nature through the agency of Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva. Even, and, but, the proper way to conceive of that can be a little tricky because like this verse that he used as, as evidence. Who is able to glorify you? The verse is being spoken to Durga, Maya personified. Who is able to glorify you sufficiently? For you made Vishnu, Shiva, and me, Brahma, take bodies. Maya made Vishnu take a body? Brahma take a body? No, but... Her service is such that she, when glanced upon, the Lord glanced on his, you know, his energy, and he, he, he got things going with his time potency, and then Maya, then the differentiation of all these material elements comes about and the material manifestation proceeds from that at which point she takes charge she's that energy of his which manifests the material cosmic manifestation so what what does this verse mean it means she by her necessity for the involvement of these modes of material nature, goodness, passion, and ignorance, her necessity brought about their taking on their responsibilities 
in regards to the material manifestation. So it's not like Maya could make Vishnu take a material body, but the force of Maya's service is such that Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva took up their representative posts in relationship to the material creation. So, put on your seat belts and we will go forward and understanding what is the actual way to conceive of the involvement of the Supreme Lord in the material manifestation and what is the proper way to conceive of the fact that the one Supreme Lord who's fully transcendental manifested the material universe and wasn't affected by it. And how did all those energies come out? The universe is a product of Shakti Parimanama, not Vivarta, is the name of this section. In other words, it's a real transformation of the Supreme Lord. It's a Shakti of His. He manifests a Shakti. It's not an imagined imposition. Vivarta. So these two words, the Shakti, Parinam, and Vivarta is what's going to be the main thrust of the discussion at this point. You can't look on the material world as simply an illusion. It's more than just that. There's some substance there. So this first, this 58th ed of Cheda, is divided into four parts, and we'll begin by covering the first of those four subsections this evening. The world is a parinam of Paramatma Shakti, the transrational power of Paramatma. Transrational. It seems to be beyond our reasoning capability. We can't wrap a rational, a rationality based on our material position around what's going to be presented here. Truly, we have to be able to enter into the to the mystery of the text, and that's the whole nature of of, of Krishna consciousness. It's a self-revealing process. It's not that we're going to take a you know, the tools of our intellect and chip away and come away with an understanding of what is God and how God works his magic. God's going to reveal himself to us. He reveals himself to us. And he gives us the qualification by which we can understand him. And that qualification is built over time, in good association 
to the point of complete and absolute realization. And I, I can only relate, and maybe you've had a similar experience, when I first started to hear my spiritual master, Srila Prabhupada, I didn't understand anything he said. I honestly didn't know what he was talking about at all. I couldn't follow it. I had a hard time even knowing if he was speaking English, honestly. But over time, he qualified me to understand what he was saying. I could get the books a lot easier than to get the lectures, and I went to many lectures. We drove all the way from West Virginia to New York just to hear Prabhupada speak many times. And uh, I heard the word Krishna once, and I said, oh, that's I recognize that <laughs> word. And this is in the very beginning. Other than that, there weren't a lot there. So, this word transrational is interesting. In Srimad Bhagavatam, 2nd Canto, 10th chapter, 35th verse, which is covered in Anucheta 57, which we just covered, that's this verse that Jiva Goswami is referring to is the verse that says this conception of the Rupa, both gross and subtle, is it's not a spiritually grounded understanding. It is said the gross and subtle forms of the universe are created by Maya, Maya Shristi. There the word Maya does not mean ignorance, Agyan. In the, in the philosophy of Sankaracharya, it is held that all dualities, such as that of the living entities and the objective world, are imagined only due to ignorance and exist as existing in Brahman, which is the self's own true identity. So he, he's speaking here directly of Sankaracharya's conception that the material universe, you're just making it up. It, it's not even here. And as we get into the, the commentary, it's going to be very interesting because we're going to go into this, this idea, this misplaced idea that is held not only was put forward by Sankaracharya and carries a lot of weight right now in India, in the Indian culture of spirituality, as being the proper conception of, of spirituality and the proper conception of the reason for the world. It's just an imagination. Just snap out of it. What's wrong with you? Just you know, wake up. Your spirit soul and, and this world doesn't exist. It's an art, artificial imposition of your mind on Brahman. Well, that's not right. But even the modern scientists 
that's their conception. So we're going to go into that a little bit. So Jiva opens up and says right here that it is held that all dualities, such as the fact that there's separate living entities. I mean, we were talking about the one supreme personality, the one supreme spiritual existence. Well, now you've cut it up into little living entities and you've manifested it and you put it, you know, all these material, all these material substances and different material forms. It's all just an, a false imposition on Brahman. It doesn't really exist. That's their philosophy. Jiva goes on. We answer as follows. The Vaishnavas answer as follows. Brahman, which has no eye consciousness, ahankar. So we're talking about that that spiritual energy, that manifestation of the Lord, Brahman, um, which is devoid of any other characteristics, dharma whatsoever, it's devoid of characteristics, which is completely distinct from everything else and which is pure consciousness alone cannot possibly be the support for ignorance, a gyan, nor its object, nor can it be the cause of error. error. Um, Brahma. If we're talking about spiritual, the spiritual underlying spirituality of everything that that pure consciousness it can't be ignorance it can't have this element of ignorance which you're attributing to it as the force whereby it becomes the many whereby it manifests everything that you're experiencing it's it's it just doesn't it doesn't compute. How could Brahman, that pure, absolute spiritual consciousness, which you conceive of as the supreme, and we conceive of as the supreme too, we do not deny Brahman. We just go further. <laughs> we, we don't deny the fact that there's that non-dual aspect of spirituality that non-dual aspect that's free of the dualities that are experienced in material existence we do not deny that at all as Vaishnavs we embrace it that's one of Krishna's manifestations so you can't attribute ignorance to it so that's that's where Sankaracharya is wrong from the very get-go. Jiva goes on. Because Brahman is a supra-mundane substance, above the mundane, however, its being self-endowed with inconceivable potencies is certainly possible. Alright, so Jiva is saying, it's certainly possible that you know, it's it's it has inconceivable potencies, Brahman. 
which you can't conceive of with your, from your limited frame of reference. Such potencies found even in objects such as the philosopher's stone, Chintamani. Like a medicine that can't, can mitigate afflictions arising from all the three doses or bodily humors. Such an inconceivable potency sustains even mutually contradictory qualities. As a result of which, it is accepted that Brahman is inclusive of parts, even though it is also true that it is without parts. So he's starting to develop an understanding based on the spiritual reality. And the spiritual reality is you have to be able to enter into the mystery of of these this possibility that the supreme brahman can have differentiated parts although it can't be how's it put here is inclusive of parts brahman includes different parts even though it is also true that it is without parts is this just a juggly of words that Jeeva is trying to say, well, just take my word for it? No, he's trying to express, let's, let's understand what is the nature of spirit. Spirit has, spirit has all, contains all possibilities. Inconceivable. So he's gradually introducing us to the underlying principle which which is our deep understanding of spirituality. The nature of the Supreme is Achinta Beta Beta Tattva. Achinta Beta Beta Tattva. Simultaneously, inconceivably one and different. There is scriptural evidence for this such as in the Svetasvatara Upanishad. The primordial Purusha has extraordinary potencies. Others do not have such potencies. And as in Srimad Bhagavatam, Paramatma, the eminent regulator, Ishvara, has thousands of inconceivable potencies. And in the Brahma Sutra, in the Supreme Self, there is indeed an extraordinary there are indeed extraordinary powers. He goes on. Even if one argues that Brahman comes under the influence of ignorance. All right, so let's go on. All right. Let's, let's, let's look at what you're saying. That the material universe, mean, for the material universe to come about, it would mean that there would have to be ignorance imposed upon the 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 purity of what is Brahman. So let's let's just look at it from that angle just for a minute. Even if one argues that Brahman comes under the influence of ignorance because there is no other way of accounting for empirical duality. They can't, there's no other way that they can account. All right, all right. So that's the only way you can look at the world. All right. 
we answer that one cannot imagine ignorance in Brahman because that is clearly an impossibility since the existence of inconceivable potencies in Brahman is substantiated by cogent logic as well as by scriptural authority. It is far from necessary to resolve the problems of the existence of duality by supposition of the, of the no other possibility In other words, we that doesn't have to be the way you look at things. It, you can't just say, well, there's no other possibility for the world than the imposition of ignorance on Brahman. You can't, you know... Is that your only argument that you say that's that that's the only way I can see the world being manifest is if Brahman there's an imposition on Brahman of ignorance. So Jiva says again. Paramatma, the imminent regulator, Ishwara, has thousands of... Okay, those are the potencies. Even if one argues that Brahman comes under the influence of ignorance because there is no other way of accounting for empirical duality. Even if you argue that. We answer that one cannot imagine ignorance in Brahman. It's, it's, it just doesn't work because that is clearly an impossibility. Since the existence of inconceivable potencies in Brahman is substantiated by cogent logic as well as scriptural authority. In other words, because of we can use a logical approach and it's supported by scripture. Because we have those on our side it is far from necessary to resolve the problem of the existence of duality by, by your approach, basically. It is far from necessary to resolve the problem of the existence of duality in the non-dual supreme truth by supposition of no other possibility. than through the existence of ignorance or maya in Brahman. Jiva concludes, So it is to be concluded that Bhagavan's transrational power alone is the cause of the appearance of duality. Therefore, although Paramatma, by his very own intrinsic nature, is altogether free from change or modification, he transforms into the form of the universe and so on through his transrational power. Just as a philosopher's stone or a Chintamani gem can produce anything desirable or just as a magnet can move a piece of iron from afar. This has been accepted by Sri Vyasudeva. Brahman is a creator because the Shruti says so. Brahman is understood only through the Vedas.
Ultimately, Jiva's saying, we accept this because, well, Krishna told us this is the way it is. He's the originator of the Vedas, and he says, this is the way the world comes about. Through my very potencies, even though I'm non-dual, even though I cannot be contaminated, even though I cannot be affected by those things which I myself create. They have no influence upon me. And I've stated such in the scripture. And because of that, that's all the evidence you need. I'm telling you, I'm not influenced by ignorance. I'm telling you that I can create a material world and not be affected by it. My scriptures are the only support that I need to justify the reality of the material manifestation as being a manifestation of my energy that does not affect me. Thus, because he has such potencies, it is not proper to define the word maya in a material way to being magical knowledge as in the case of an apparently inconceivable actions of a magician. Rather, according to the etymological derivation from the root ma, maya is that energy by which wondrous varieties are produced, meaning that it is the potency that produces wonderful objects. Therefore, the conclusion of the scriptures is that the world is only a transformation, parinama, of paramatma. This has also been discussed in the Bhagavat Sandarbha Anujeda 39. Okay then. So, Is that all? No. That's the beginning of the argument. That's the beginning. And the beginning's dealing with developing an understanding of how the one supreme, absolute, pure, uncontaminated nature of the Lord in whatever conception you may have. The word Brahman is used a lot here because generally when you think of of the the material manifestation, we the substance, the the main category of the Lord, it has to be that spiritual it has to come from somewhere. That's really the point here. The Advaitins say it just doesn't exist. Well, that's not really... It's not... Just because... Just because that's the only way you can conceive of the material manifestation as being an illusion, that doesn't make it so. Just because you don't have the fine discrimination 
just because you're not willing to accept those statements in the scriptures that convey the idea of this transrational, above the, your rationaling ability, uh, you know, the logic that you can arrive at, just because that's as far as you can go, that doesn't make it so. It can be so much more than that. Brahman can be more than you can conceive of. It has inconceivable, unlimited powers as, as, as explained in the scriptures. Who's explaining? Who are the script? What is scripture? It's a purusheya. It's not man-made. It's, it's, it's actually, it's not human sound vibration. And it's self-revealing. And that's, that's the approach you need to take. Just because you can't, just because it has to fit between your ears, just because you have to conceive of some way that your conception of spiritual reality manifests a universe, doesn't make it so. So, Jeeva's starting to build a very firm foundation for an understanding of how the Lord uses his potencies to manifest the material world and not be affected in any way by that. So, Jiva here is establishing that the empiric world is not imaginary. That's the main point in this section. But, is a real creation of Paramatma produced through his Maya potency? It's a real, it's real. For Jiva, Maya is a specific energy of Paramatma because ignorance cannot create the universe. Seems so simple. I mean, when you really get down to it. Because what are they saying? What are the Advaitins saying? Ignorance produces the universe. The imposition of ignorance on Brahman creates the universe. I mean, that's really the logic that they're using. And, and how do they present it? Well, let's look in the commentary. What's used here is, let's look to Sankaracharya's uh, commentary on the Brahma Sutra, the Vedanta Sutra, 114. There he's used words such as Mithyad Gyan, Mithya Pratyaya, Pratyaya, Pratyaksha, Mithya Buddhi for Maya, illusory or false knowledge, illusory perception, and illusory awareness. So it's all just an illusion. That's his. That's his commentary there in the Brahma in the Vedanta Sutra. All of which mean ignorance, a gyan, 
which is a feature of Maya. For Sankar, it is only because of ignorance, a vidya, a gyan, or Maya, that the one Brahman appears as a swara, the innumerable jivas, and the universe. So their whole explanation of the Lord's internal potency, whereby he manifests his own form, Ishvara, his intermediary potency, the jivas, and his external potency, all those come about because of ignorance, is basically the core presentation of Sankaracharya. It's all mythya, it's all an illusion. And the illusion is because you can't see things for what they are. So your ignorance has created this, the whole thing. In the commentary here, there is a, a very deep entry into the various sub-schools of Sankaracharya's reasoning. All right. Uh, uh, Pratibhimbavad, the theory of reflection, uh, of Chaitavad, the theory of limitation, and Abhasvad, the theory of semblance. Then there are paragraphs here explaining the different commentaries of the different acharyas coming in the line of Sankaracharya and the way they have justified this illusory approach and the way and the wording that they use and the way they they present the overall theory of Advaitavad according to Sankaracharya. We've covered this, in my estimation, thoroughly enough to go on than to enter into these sub-theories in a detailed manner the way they're presented here. So I'm going to continue the next class and we're going to talk about uh, Drishti Shristivad a little bit because it plays into the modern psychology and modern quantum approaches which basically put forth the idea that I mean this is the, the way they think that it's all in your mind part of their basis one, one argument that we'll go over next time, and you can think about it between now and then, is the fact that, that a schizophrenic has a different view of reality. But you, you, can you really dismiss it? They really think that they are seeing things that aren't there. They're experiencing them through their senses. So, therefore, maybe the whole material manifestation is just in our minds. 
Maybe it is just a matrix. So we need to know from Jiva Goswami's viewpoint, from the viewpoint of the Bhagavat, how that just doesn't work. Not the right approach. We're not living in an illusion or a hallucination created solely based on just mental conjecture. That isn't said, uh, said solely. There is some of it that is. Because we could see men in the world or look back or look even at where we are now and see that we look at things in the world through the colored vision. How, how is that vision colored? Well, what's the, the materialist look at? What's the businessman look He's looking to everyone as, how can I get your money? What can I sell you today? The real estate agent doesn't look at you for anything except, can I get you a loan? Are they qualifiable? If you're not qualifiable, I really don't want to take my time showing you the pro So how are they looking? So it's not that it's there isn't some of what we experience in life fully dependent on the way we look at life and the way we look at things. But that's not the full picture. I'll stop there for this evening.